Hello and welcome to Viz, the podcast and show where the power of human connection and the age of information is the real driver behind our content. To sum us up, we two curious journalists discuss very important stuff, also the initials of Viz, with interesting people. We get up close and personal with each other and with what we're discussing to give you, our listeners, the power to make positive change through knowledge about different topics. I'm Star. And I'm Izzy. And this week's topic, fittingly, as Valentine's Day is just around the corner, is dating, body and contraception. And it is the first episode in our series on women. So we're really excited to be starting the show. Yeah, we really are. So opening the show with us today, we have the wonderful, the one and only Emily Wheeler. Um, Emily is a wonderful lass from Bristol, um, but we haven't just drawn in a stranger to open the show with us today. Um, We do actually know Emily because she uh, does journalism with us. Emily, hello, how are you doing? Hello, I'm wonderful, thank you. How are you both? Yeah, we're okay. We're okay. (laughs) Struggling with uh, lots of online technical difficulties, but we finally (laughs) got here and we're really excited to finally record our radio show. Yeah. So, yeah, that's us. (laughs) Yeah, that's us, basically. Um, It's just the massive third year, really, isn't it? Oh, dear. Um, So, the first question, what we wanted to get cracking on, is this is obviously a pre-Valentine's Day kind of special. Um. How do we feel about Valentine's Day, ladies? What, what what's our what's our feelings on it? Well, personally, I feel like the commercialization of love and relationships is is borderline unhealthy and um and makes people have unrealistic expectations of themselves and each other. So yeah, I, it's not something that I personally can get behind, but um I do appreciate that some people really enjoy giving gifts so I mean the way I see it is that I don't want to be loved for just one day I don't want to be treated yes. well just one day treat me well all year round 24 7 we That's don't need a it. day yeah. for that to happen and also like I just kind of you know my experience of Valentine's Day you know when I've been in a relationship is you get sucked into it you're like oh I should have good plans I should be buying stuff or you know putting sexy underwear on or you know and so and it never works out how you think it's going to work out and it's always there's so much pressure um and everything's way overpriced just over expensive and yeah so um for any listeners out there that do, do you like Valentine's Day? We don't want this to be a No, <laughs> no, of course I mean, not. yeah, go celebrate it, celebrate it, do what you want, get sexy, buy nice gifts, absolutely. Just for me, it's just one of those things where I think, oh God, it's that time of year again. Yeah, I don't exactly. care enough about it. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same for me too. I totally exactly. agree. And you know, here on Viz, we like to uh, provide an alternative opinion. Yeah, things. exactly. We exactly. like to open up a healthy discussion. That's what we're about. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. and this the second thing we sort of wanted to talk about was um was contraception as well because a lot of sex happens on Valentine's Day just putting it out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we're all about <laughs> uh about protection and safe sex. But there's something that's going on in society at the moment and it's sort of this um basically that women there's an onus on women 
to take responsibility for contraception. Mm. And mm. it seems that all too often, girls are the ones who have to make the embarrassing trip to the pharmacy to either mm-hmm. buy condoms or to yeah. buy a pregnancy test. And, mm. and there are two problems with exactly what I've just said. Mm-hmm. Number one, the trips to the pharmacy should not be embarrassing. They should be normal and they should be recognised as essential. For either girls or boys, by the way. For everybody. For everybody. Mm, yeah, absolutely. They should not lead to shame or humiliation. And in fact, we should feel proud to be taking steps to care for our bodies and our intimate relationships, not bow down in embarrassment. And number two, it takes two to tango. Oh, yeah. So it should also take Absolutely. two to have sex responsibly and safely. So it's about time we start talking about why girls, whether it's because of the men, whether it's because of society or whether it's because of our own expectations of ourselves. Why is the onus put on women to go and do this? Mm. Mm. And, and think- adding on from that really quickly, yeah, like. Yeah. Even when it goes to buying a morning after pill, obviously you can get it free when you go to a GP, but there was a time like a year ago that mm. I had to get one and I couldn't get it to the GP. And that was 30 quid coming out of my pocket. Mm, not the blokes, exactly. not the lads, 30 quid out of my pocket. Do you yeah. want me to, and it, like you said, exactly, it takes two to tango. So why was I paying for it? No, I totally agree. And every time I, I mean, I'm not going to deny it. I'm, I'm a young woman. I've had to buy pregnancy tests before and I've had to buy them myself. Mm. despite the yeah, fact that really. I've been in in long-term relationships with people that I adore I've had to go and buy them myself because uh you know it's my body and I'm the one who has who runs the risk of life-altering changes of mm. pregnancy so mm. yeah it's really difficult and for me it kind of runs into this like same kind of I don't know maybe maybe it's some kind of cultural narrative um around women and sex anything women and sex and men and anything men and sex you know for men they've kind of got this untouchable image where it's like you know they're not they're not kind of a player they're a bachelor do you know what I mean yeah yeah maybe they Mm. are you know um you know and they're kind of free to sleep around and, and kind of do what they want but but that's more like their their image and then for women it's kind of like a much more negative narrative that comes along with you know women want to be wanting to be like sexually free and sexually liberated but also women it's being women's responsibility to pick up the aftermath yeah exactly yeah and leading on from that there's this term easy that gets thrown around like in young people's (laughs) circles so they might say oh she's easy and and that word has so many connotations that I just have so many issues with because if a girl is is called if a girl has it feels liberated and wants to go in and chooses to sleep with people because that's what she wants to do she's seen as an easy target Mm. rather than being someone who's a strong female following her desires Mm. whereas Mm. if it's a man it's a whole other story why are men allowed to want sex and but women, not, but women, women are allowed to want sex, but they're just seen slightly differently when they do. Yeah, and I do well, think I remember. I mm. I do remember having a conversation with a lad I was dating once, and we were talking about body counts, and mine was considerably lower than his, but mine, you know, I mean, it was still a couple on there, and he went, "Oh, if yours was the same as mine, I would have a problem with that," and I was like. but so you as a man can have sex with this amount of people but then if I did the same that was wrong because I'm a woman Mm. that to me doesn't quite make sense 
because he believed it was all, you know what I mean? It's, there's a lot of biological factors in it and the fact that we are women, um, you know what I mean? In the past, we're seen as just what brings children into the world. Not mm. at all. I'm a young 21 year old woman who enjoys sex. I have a high libido. I have a high sex drive. I will mm. hold my hands up and say that. But why am <laughs> I wrong? You know what I mean? I'm fully open about these things. I really am. I love you, Emily. Be, so it should be normalized in society. Why is it wrong for me to have a high sex drive, but it's perfectly okay for a man to have a high one? that I just it doesn't make sense yeah Mm. I just want to make sure that we're not we're not trying to cause any conflict between men and women here we're trying to open up a discussion and we don't want like obviously we can't speak on behalf of all women and we can't speak for all men either and yeah and we don't want to vilify men but we just want we want there to be more awareness of these disparities Mm. and 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 we want and, and we want everybody to question their their preconceptions about sex yeah and start mm. to just open up about it and see whether actually they might have been wrong about something or yeah. they might have yeah. been yeah if you're it. if you're a man and you're listening take this moment to check yourself yeah check in with yourself when was the last yeah. time you bought contraception for the person that you're seeing or your girlfriend or even you know your fiance or your wife when was the last time you did that when was the last time that you know you were the one that went to buy the pregnancy test mm. or you know when mm. was the last time that you you made that judgment on the girl that you're seeing you know maybe even if it happened without you kind of even realizing exactly this is just this is what we're trying to do here we're just trying to you know that's what we like to do on this show we like to use this as a starting point for people to actually engage in those thought processes and conversations which they might not have thought to do before exactly mm. and and i also i want to it's it's quite difficult, I think, for men as well, because most of the contraceptives out there are hormonal and obviously yeah. are specific to women. So men probably do feel a bit isolated in that sense. Like they, they can't necessarily step in where they where they might want to. But it's just about being being honest, open with your sexual partners and, and not denying that there is a responsibility on both parts. Um and and yeah we it's just about talking about it and and getting getting open about it and accepting that it's important Mm. so Mm. and talking and you know kind of talking about this you know theme of image and 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 you know how the difference between how men and women are portrayed I think that particularly comes into focus in relation to dating apps um Mm. now is and I kind of were talking uh, before we decided to do this show and, you know, neither of us have have that much experience. No, it, I mean, I you use... have a lot of opinions, don't we? But... Yeah, I used Tinder a little bit not long ago when I was I broke up from my partner, but I didn't have it for very long. I haven't got I haven't got much experience in that yeah. in that realm. So that's why we decided to bring in the youths. <laughs> with Emily from Bristol you know, bringing in bringing in that you know and I just just quickly want to point out that actually one in five relationships today start online and 81% of the people that use online dating lie about their height age and their figure so so this is this is just yeah this is just some insight into how they work and like what goes on in the world of online dating like so many people using them particularly now during lockdown like this is something that's becoming really really popular and almost important to people so um yeah what's your experience like emily 
I mean, I've been on dating apps on and off, but I've been on dating apps for, for quite some time. Um, I have, I met one of my ex-boyfriends from Tinder, actually, and it was, we, we were together for just over a year. Um, and it was, you know what I mean? It was a good relationship and it was very smooth from the start. Um, for me, I, I haven't really had any like bad, bad experience with dating apps. Everyone that I've met through dating apps, it hasn't worked out, granted, but they've been wonderful people and I'm, I'm glad to have met them. It's all through life experiences. But I mean, when it comes to, I'll tell you what really worries my, me about meeting people off dating apps is that number one, I have, you know what I mean, my body, you know what I mean? So my mm-hmm. pictures on Tinder or Hinge, you can't really see my body shape in them. They're pretty much kind of shoulder up apart from one where I'm kind of sat down, but you can't really see what I look like. Mm-hmm. It strikes so much fear in me that when somebody sees me for the first time, they go, oh no, <laughs> that was not what I was expected. Cause you know I mean? I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a curvier girl. I'm, I'm proud to be curvy. You know what I mean? It's who I am, I'm thick. Mm. But yes, other people yeah. may not be so much for it. And you know what, that's fine. It's all to do with types, but it really worries me that you connect with someone online and you come to meet them and it's not there by maybe the way you look. And I mean, our online personalities are so much different. yeah I agree I think I think being online and doing this kind of like attachment like creating bonds online is completely reshaping how we form and view relationships and it's it's seeing like the evolution of this new kind of interaction this new kind of human interaction Mm -hmm. which we rely on quite a lot today because Mm -hmm. of covid but yeah I was gonna say it's also this kind of pressure to be something before you've even met someone in person yeah you know um like Emily what you were just saying there it's like you know you're already feeling that pressure to be something that you're not even though you're you know like I'm you know I'm I'm curvier I'm thick and you know it's it's that kind of even though we're confident in that it's still there it's still a worry do you know what I mean and it's kind of that it's that pressure to be something that you're not but where does that even come from you know yeah it's kind of yeah absolutely and I think I think a lot of people men and women today um almost they think that being on these dating apps is is a way of like eradicating loneliness which I do worry about to be honest but I also see how uh, I, I doubt in the past before online dating people felt like they always needed to be looking for love because it, it wasn't something oh, God, that yeah. yeah you weren't constantly on the search you weren't constantly looking for a partner whereas today it's quite a normal thing to be looking for a partner every fi- every spare five minutes you have which is quite unusual and it's, this is what I mean about the evolution of relationships uh, we're seeing that that people are becoming more and more active in looking for love and looking for a partner where we we never used to be like that mm-hmm. Emily what have I mean you completely noticed? it's more accessible to do that and I think yeah no sorry on. you carry on you carry on you go oh all I was going to say is that it's absolutely more accessible to look for love and I think there is a massive problem in that in the fact that not many people are okay with just being by themselves and yeah. I think that causes future mm-hmm. problems in relationships Mm. so you know I mean for me now um I can happily say like a year back when I was on tinder I was absolutely not okay being by myself Mm. absolutely not okay whereas now I'm on dating app and I'm all right with it 
and things actually work a lot better Mm. but yeah, I, think, I think that's a massive problem across society I think, a, I, I think a lot of people who use these apps will probably uh, that will speak to them really loudly you know they'll probably be able to mm. re- relate to that yeah yeah I was just gonna I was just gonna say kind of um Emily like in your experience um you know yeah. on, on using dating apps and stuff like that um you know you you said that um you know in in a lot of your pictures and stuff it's it's usually just your like head and and shoulders and and stuff like that is that would you say that's like kind of common of of dating apps and and is that something that maybe you know society needs to start talking about changing like being okay with showing full body pictures or whatever it is I don't know because I don't I don't really use them but I'm just wondering you know if we're at this point where it's kind of we're acknowledging that there's some unhealthy kind of practices going on in terms of how it's making us feel in terms of our body and our body image what needs to change you know that is that is an incredibly good question and obviously I can't um I can't speak for women because I don't see women's tinder profiles (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean in terms from men actually it's a variety on the profiles and you get some men who it's just body 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 this is what I've got this is what I'm going to show off and it's Mm -hmm. just a way for them to get sex off people Mm -hmm. that is all it is um, I spoke to a, a lad not actually that long ago and his was all face 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 and he said to me it's because I, I, I absolutely hate the way I look mm. um, I'm on a on a weight watchers thing I'm losing weight constantly but I hate mm. the way I look I'm not going to show that to randomers on a tinder profile mm. um, and then you have you have some people who are so carefree about it you know I mean this is who I am you either take it or leave it which to be honest I think maybe is the best way to look at it It is Mm. the best way to look at it you know Mm. I mean this is what I am at the end of the day if I get into a relationship with someone they ain't gonna see me all pretty in 10 out of 10 all the time Mm. so here it is on a profile simple as but um, I I definitely do respect that confidence I wish I had a bit more confidence to do it I also think like I don't have very good mirrors in my house to make to take like full body pictures so you know what I mean maybe I shouldn't just invest in a nice mirror <laughs> but, um, yeah. no honestly there, there's such a variety but again I can't speak on women's profiles yeah 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 it's I mean it's it's difficult to know isn't it yeah I think so and, and so important to bring men into the conversation as well definitely yeah. I think that's it with the show we're not whilst we are talking about the insights of women and the and experiences of women series. it's the women's series but we don't want to we don't want to isolate men we want men to be welcome to the conversation we want them to like have something to say open open up the discussion to them so that they can start to understand how women feel about things and start to talk to women about that Mm. so yeah Mm. Emily thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute oh you're welcome yeah thank you so much so I think it's about time for a song choice it's my song choice now and I have chosen a very fitting song this week um, that my mum used to sing to me. Now, this song is Let's Talk About Sex, Baby by Salt and Pepper. And my mum used to sing it at me when I was when I was younger and I'd cringe and I'd blush and I'd be really embarrassed and I'd tell her to shut up and whatever. Um, but do you know what? Looking back, I'm so glad that she was like that because now I just feel completely open and confident to talk to her about absolutely everything, which is sometimes all you need because some obviously things go wrong with private matters and and 
most of the time you don't want to talk to your friends about it. So having a family member or or a close friend or, or somebody that you feel comfortable to talk to is really helpful. And and the lyrics in this song tackle the idea that sex is something that shouldn't be talked about or something that we should be ashamed to mention when actually it should be normal and it should be completely normalised because it's something that happens to all of us and and it doesn't always go right and, and we shouldn't deny that. Um, and it, it calls for us to get over our sexual anxiety so that we can open up a healthier discussion on issues surrounding safe sex, masturbation, periods, pregnancies and contraception. So, yeah, when you listen to this song, I hope that you start to just get a little bit more comfortable in your skin, get a little bit more comfortable talking about things. So here it is. Let's talk about Sex Baby by Salt and Pepper. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. 
have our first uh, guest on uh, to talk about something called somatic sexology. Uh, she's called Katie Sara um, and she's an extremely well educated uh, woman who's a somatic sexologist um, and uh, is co-director at the C School of Embodiment which is um, a, a kind of school and organisation that teaches somatic sexology. You'll hear more about that term in a moment um, but unfortunately she's not able to be with us um, today for last minute for some um, unforeseen circumstances but fear not I'm sure it's what you've all been dying to hear is that you're going to hear more of me and Iz <laughs> um, so, um, it's going to be me and Iz talking about somatic sexology because we actually find it really fascinating and really interesting and we think it kind of ties in really well to this um, topic um, yeah. of dating and bodies in particular um, but Katie Sara who we were going to have on is um, is an amazing uh, teacher woman with loads of experience loads of experience um, and so we just wanted to plug her um, kind of where you can find out more about her um, after the show if you wanted to so um, as I said she's co-director of something called the C School of Embodiment so you can head over to their website which is www.cc as in s-e-a school of embodiment.com forward slash about hyphen katie i-e for katie so do go and check her out um because she's a really cool lady but is we want to talk about what is somatic sexology because i've said i've said that phrase quite a lot in the last yes. 30 seconds and it's so I- I personally didn't know what it was before this show. So uh, just to let everybody know about a bit more about the actual practice, what actually is this idea? Basically, mm. this is taken from the Institute of Somatic Sexology from their website. Somatic sexology is the meeting of somatics, which is the focusing of awareness through the body, with sexology, which is the scientific study of human sexuality. It's the merging of practices from time-tested traditions such as yoga, meditation and tantra, with cutting-edge research in neuroscience, psychology and somatic learning theory. Somatic sexology develops embodiment which is deeper presence awareness and understanding of what's going on in your body and in sex embodiment releases body mind restrictions that inhibit pleasure and allows space for greater growth choice and play it's sort of based around this idea that our bodies and our minds have become separate entities so in modern cultures like ours particularly ones that have become industrialized we rely quite heavily on mental interactions much more than we do on physical ones for example our society places a really high value on reason and rational thinking and it often undermines emotion i, I know for personally that i've often felt bad or like put myself down for, for getting upset about something that's completely irrational and that is a sign that there is tension between my body and my mind something's mm. not quite adding up and there's not harmony there mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think also um, we're taught to overcome our desires and control our emotions I think we were talking about that almost um, 
a bit earlier in the show mm. with Emily, weren't we? This, yeah. Especially for women, you know, it's kind of that, you, you know, you're allowed to have desire, but not too much. Exactly. You know? um, and, but that can um, lead to a separateness or tension between mind and body, which can affect our relationships, not only with others, but with ourselves too. And somatic sexology and all other somatic practices aim to uh, bridge the divide between mind and body and bring the mind and body into connection communication and harmony Um, now different methods and practices used in somatic sexology are sex coaching counseling psychotherapy massage education and energy work and these uh, different practices focus on breath work movement and touch so there's a lot there um I'm personally very interested yeah same (laughs) yeah yeah to learn more about it um yeah it just sounds yeah refreshing isn't it yeah I think the fact I think um one of the most important things you said there was that it it can the the tension that is caused when we do try to overcome our body's physical desires and to try and control our body's physical emotions can lead to this tension which affects our relationships with ourselves Mm. and the relationship that we have with ourselves in our society is totally underestimated Mm -hmm. if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself and your body you're walking Mm. around every day with somebody that you dislike Mm. uh, which means that you're never going to be able to live a happy healthy life Mm. um that's and so true. There was yeah. a there's a yogi that I listened to on on YouTube, and he's called Sad Guru. But he he said one one day that um if if somebody came to him and said that he hated himself and that he didn't know how to move forward in his life, he just wanted some help. He would make him sit in a room on his own for like a few days, and the reason being that if you can't bear to sit in a room with yourself you're always in bad company and this is the same idea it's like you have to heal that divide between your mind and your body before you can be happy Mm -hmm. and that's such an important point I think as well it's just being at ease with yourself but on a more kind of physical level because you know this this is the combining of um somatics and sexology Mm. the the scientific study of human sexuality and I personally have a real bugbear around um, the the many stigmas there are around female self-pleasure and I think that actually it it all ties into the same into the same thing if you can't be comfortable with yourself with knowing yourself in in every element and owning that you know mm-hmm. um and, and and you know maybe um you know doing some of these practices or, or just you know getting to know yourself a bit more um how how are you ever going to be able to engage properly with another human being on a kind of really deep level and you know I think it's not impossible to do that but then what's dangerous and what starts to happen is that you rely on another person for validation of yourself mm. you know that mm. you know you rely on another person to make you feel beautiful or, or or make you you know feel empowered and sexy when actually the real power lies in being able to feel like that just off your own accord I think mm. really 
and I think that you know if more women were open to being in touch with themselves in that way um, then that would actually really help to address some of the stigmas that there are uh, around yeah female pleasure exactly now if anybody is sort of um really interested in this and is is this is like speaking to them and they're like oh actually i this is for me i want to get to know a bit more um here are some websites that you can visit just to um find out a bit more so you've got www.instituteofsomaticsexology.com or you've got www.the-asis.org forward slash about uh, you can also head over to www.sexcoaching.com um, or as we uh, plugged earlier, um, the school that um, Katie is co-director of, uh, the guest we were going to have on uh, today to talk about um, this practice, um, you can head over to their website which is www.csea.schoolofembodiment.com our second guest for today is another inspirational woman with a long list of achievements. Dr Sarah Gray is a renowned specialist in women's health, currently working as a GP based here in Cornwall, and her work has earned her a national and international profile in her field. Prior to this, Sarah spent 15 years running an NHS specialist women's health clinic in the southwest before it was closed down due to funding cuts, and she now works predominantly in the independent sector, supporting local practices to provide quality healthcare in the NHS. In 2019, she helped establish St. Erm Medical, a developing general practice, which she runs alongside Dr. Jane Davis, another specialist in women's health. This, this year, the practice is hoping to move into its own premises, a really exciting venture for um, Sarah. Um, and her specialist knowledge has made her really a leader in her field, providing guidance for women's health services in Cornwall and all over the world over the past two decades. And if this weren't enough, Sarah now spends considerable time teaching and training training other professionals in women's health. She lectures nationally and internationally and her work has been published for both clinical and public audiences. And we are so delighted to have Sarah with us today and we're just going to start off by talking about some overall advice that she has for women. If I was going to have one overriding message mm. it would be have some awareness of your own menstrual cycle and what goes with it and how long it takes and what's involved and then you can tie things together that are hormonal mm -hmm. and and those those that are that are, that are not because it might be that you have depression which is like it all the time in which case it's not going to be anything to do with your hormones but if it gets worse before your period and then goes away then it might be mm -hmm. so, so if i as i said if i was going to to send people a single message it was to 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 sort of be aware of and and, and have some understanding of what is essentially a menstrual cycle because everything, whether it's bleeding, whether it's PMT, whether it's menopause, whether it's contraception, hangs off of that. Um, you know, you kind of, you touched on contraception there. Um, is, is there a kind of, um, I think maybe there can be a lot of controversy about um, contraception and stuff like that. Is there a starting point that you'd recommend for people um, when choosing it? Um, or is it just kind of best trial and error type thing? Tri trial and error is not the way to start. Mm. Um, what I would be saying to people is think about where your plans for fertility are. Do you would, do you want temporary fertility? What level of um, contraception mm -hmm. do, 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 do people want? And how do you want it to work? 
and what do you feel comfortable doing to mm-hmm. make it work because mm-hmm. there is quite a wide range of contraception it's like a menu mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for for women who are slim and fit and healthy they can choose anything from that menu the menu will reduce if you have health issues that make certain methods less suitable mm-hmm. for for you so there will be some restriction of choices because of your health but if you are essentially fit and well there is a menu of choices and it can start with simple barrier methods that are completely under your control the hormonal methods are under your control because you have to remember to take it but Mm -hmm. they are working differently they are working by interrupting this menstrual cycle and Mm -hmm. if you don't release eggs you don't get pregnant simple Mm -hmm. as simple as that and if you take the take the product reliably it Mm. will reliably block eggs but if you take it in a haphazard way it won't work so well Mm -hmm. so 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 you know there's there's that type of interaction and then there are the the long-acting methods that you don't have to remember, that you don't have to to do anything about on an incident-by-incident basis, Mm -hmm. but which you do have to have something done right at the beginning. And for that, I'm particularly thinking about either the progesterone implants that sit in your arm, Mm -hmm. and they work by blocking egg release, Mm -hmm. or the various sorts of intrauterine devices, commonly known as coils, that Mm -hmm. sit in the uterus, and work locally mm-hmm. and they have a completely different way of of working but can work very effectively mm-hmm. and are as good as sterilization but are completely reversible mm-hmm. so they Ooh. it's it's don't listen to all the myths and misconceptions an intrauterine device is an excellent method of contraception and if you've got heavy periods the hormone bearing ones will reduce the periods by a lot and enable you to play sport or go swimming or whatever you want to do Mm. so there's a lot of a lot of choices involved Mm -hmm. how you want it to work how well you want to work and what you want to do to make it work are the sort of questions that I would ask Mm -hmm. and I would usually be talking about what you want to happen to your periods are you happy to have periods would you rather not have periods Mm -hmm. because that would also factor into the decision making Mm. and I think it's I think it's important to point out that if our listeners are are thinking about this um to to go and be free to speak to your GP because you're a GP aren't you Sarah and yeah and and for over 30 years (laughs) it's the best it's the best person to go and talk to about it Mm -hmm. so definitely go go to them and and you can ask all the questions that Sarah's been talking about yeah Absolutely. Yeah, and also on that as well, um, we we kind of the, our like body section. We kind of wanted to um, touch touch on it because I think there's maybe a lot of shame um, involved um, around you know these kinds of topics and people feeling embarrassed and not wanting to go to their doctors and not wanting to um, kind of talk about these things. Um, but as you say, you've been a GP for over thirty years and you know you you have seen it all I think that's what we wanted to kind of reassure people you know that there's there is nothing to be embarrassed about there is nothing to be embarrassed about and the other thing that people worry about is confidentiality and anybody medical that you see whether they're a doctor or a nurse or anybody will keep all of your information 
very very confidentially and won't tell anybody mm. so it's much more about you finding the way to talk about the issues that are worrying you you don't have to use the medical words it's easier if you if you don't use completely slang words because then you can make sure that the doctor understands what you're telling them mm -hmm. um but you know don't be afraid to have a look at bits of your anatomy with a mirror and see what it looks like to you first so mm. that you can describe it more easily mm -hmm. don't worry about telling doctors what the bleeding looks like mm -hmm. or what it was like when you go to the toilet because they they are so familiar with that it doesn't make any difference to them at all but the information that you give them will help them to advise you as whether it is or whether it isn't something that you need to worry about mm-hmm mm-hmm is I don't know if you wanted to um yeah, yeah I, I also wanted to sort of get rid of this shame that surrounds discharge because I know that it's a lot it's something that a lot of women do struggle with and um I just wanted to hear from a doctor like what is normal and and what's not not in it you don't need to elaborate too much but just to clarify that actually having having a bit of discharge is completely normal in, in fact it's healthy it's not just it's just normal because the natural process of the vagina is that it makes lubrication and, and lubrication keeps it soft and supple and as and when the time is right it makes intercourse not just doable but a, a, but a pleasure. Mm -hmm. So a normal discharge is slightly yellow, doesn't have any smell, there's no nothing unpleasant it's, it, about it. So anything that is very green, very sore, very smelly, mm -hmm. or is blood stained is something that is worth talking about. Mm -hmm. But women during the years when they're having periods will naturally have a discharge. It varies during the month because the hormones will affect it, but it is absolutely normal. Mm -hmm. And some will have more and some, some will have less, and there are various reasons for that. But it is it is a completely normal thing. It's the changes in it that are that are ab ab abnormal mm -hmm. and as i said that's what should lead you to seek help just to make sure there are there aren't something that needs correcting or an infection that needs treating allow somebody to have a look and see what's going on mm. and 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 now we've just talked about discharge which is something that women really struggle to talk about and another thing that women don't really talk about that often is menopause and and we sort of wanted to demystify a little bit what menopause is and what bodily changes occur. Um, because I've heard that during menopause, women's bodies change more than they do during pregnancy. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people are aware of. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. They're really the opposite ends of the extreme. Technically, menopause, the word menopause means the very last period you ever have. But most people think about it covering a spell of time. And technically, from the time that periods start to change to well after they've gone altogether is, is the, the period of time that most people would regard as, as menopausal. And some women will have a lot of bother with it and some will have no problems at all. And it all stems from running out of eggs. And as you get older, the ones that you've got are more rubbishy and they don't work as reliably and they sometimes don't work as often and the 
menstrual cycle becomes more haphazard it becomes more extreme there becomes something of a roller coaster mm. and when you've run out of eggs altogether and you're not making the estrogen because you haven't got any eggs left to make it there are a whole series of symptoms that some women will have and some women won't that are due to the lack of estrogen and that can be hot flushes because your temperature is all over the place it can be sleep disturbance because estrogen has a big role in that some women get very moody some women have brain fog and gradually 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 the vagina that we've just been talking about essentially dries up so you lose the discharge you lose the lubrication you lose the stretch and it can in some women become quite uncomfortable and can be linked with a whole series of bladder problems where it gets irritable and feels as if you've got an infection when you haven't mm -hmm. and they are all reversible by putting back the hormones that are missing mm. That. See, see, we've just learnt something new there as well, and and it, I think it's fascinating that so many people just have no clue what actually happens to so many so many women. You yeah. know, uh, and, so and, thank and you for that. To I mean... everybody, they they will all mm. run out of eggs. They won't all have problems. The statistics suggest that seventy five percent of women will have some bother, and fifty percent will be bothered by it but only 25% will be so bothered by it that they really need some extra help but in the in that middle band talking about it understanding what's going on all of those sorts of things will actually help you to to, to get through but if it's causing misery again go and talk to your doctor mm, amazing Thank you so much, Sarah. That's so great. I'm really grateful for you coming, spending your evening talking to us yes, about, about so menopause and periods. Yes. <laughs> I, I spend all my life talking about menopause and periods, so spending the evening doing it is no great surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. bless you. Well, anyhow, thank you for giving up your uh, time in the evening anyway. No problem at all. Oh, that was so um, great to have someone with so much experience on yeah on show, she's just it? she's just so knowledgeable and you know the um the stuff about menopause i'm just so interested in it and i just mm. really don't think that it's talked about enough mm. i just think women need to they need to understand what's going to happen to them in their mm. lifetime mm. And, and... i think especially also because there's this kind of um yeah this this kind of idea or, the, or this narrative that your life somehow ends post 40 or something oh, or, yes. that, or that it's all yes. one one level do you yeah, know what i mean exactly. it, it stops going it stops being um a bit of a roller coaster as far as uh you know the issues we've been talking about on the show are concerned but in actual fact it's you know it sounds like that's where it just it just gets going basically yeah. yeah basically yeah you know it's a completely you know i've heard a lot of women talk about you know post menopause how it's completely different to pre-menopause but there's so many benefits and things that they love yeah you know it's not that you lose something it's that you gain it's something just the, different it's just like we're, we're constantly evolving and constantly mm. changing and it's just another process mm. it's just another thing that mm. we experience mm. and one thing that i particularly not necessarily on, on menopause but that i particularly loved about this chat with with sarah um you know in terms of um when we say you know don't have to be embarrassed and stuff like that i love she's like just get a mirror out 
Yeah, just get a mirror out. And just have a look at it. Nobody ever encourages you to do that. No, and so this is, you know, a healthcare professional with over 30 years' experience in women's health. She's telling you, get, get a, a mirror, mirror out. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, yeah. and on the note of being ashamed, we d- I just wanted to highlight just how important it is to feel confident and comfortable approaching somebody like Sarah, your doctor, a GP, a sexual health mm. nurse, anybody that's in the healthcare profession, mm. because these are the people who will be able to answer any questions you have, whether they are about pubic hair, intercourse, mm. about your body, anything. Mm. They are there to help and to mm. listen. And believe you me, they have seen everything. They have seen everything. So there is yeah. nothing to worry about or be ashamed of. Yeah, yeah. Oh. What a great chat. What a great chat. Um, <laughs> if you've just tuned in, you are listening to Viz with Star and Izzy on Source FM. Today we've been talking about dating, bodies and contraception. Uh, we've been joined uh, by Katie Sarah through voice notes, a sexologist, a somatic sexologist and Dr Sarah Gray, a renowned women's health specialist. It's now time for another song. This choice for me sums up so much of what we've been talking about in today's show and also just feels very appropriate to be kicking off our series on women. Um, It was released in 1991 featuring Annie Lennox, Dave Stewart and Aretha Franklin. I'm just going to go ahead and play it because I'm sure you'll know why.
final thoughts for today. Um, we just wanted to give you guys some resources where you can access more advice, hear other women's experiences and just generally get a bit more wised up on all things women. So the first one is a healthy is, is a women's health blog called Healthy Women. And the website is www.healthywomen.org. The second is another blog um, called May's Women's Health, and that's www.mazewomenshealth.com slash blog. And then there's another blog about menstruation specifically called Flow Living, and that's www.flowfloliving.com forward slash blog. Uh, there's also a book called Period Power by Maisie Hill uh, and it unpacks all that happens during a woman's menstrual cycle to empower them to lead more fulfilling lives uh, and there's also another book by the same author Maisie Hill called Perimenopausal Power so definitely check those out. Um, in terms of um, contraception websites um, the you know kind of a good general one um, is the NHS website uh, page on contraception so that's www.nhs.uk forward slash conditions forward slash contraception and finally another broad contraceptive site to check out online is www.contraceptionchoices.org and they really just explore uh, all of the options out there women different women's experiences of them and uh, who to talk to if you need advice yeah, um, and now just to fi finish the show you know we like to have a little blurt of the week and mine is totally unrelated to everything that we've been talking about but I just loved it um, my housemates and I have been watching stand-up comedy recently on TV just because life's getting rather monotonous in lockdown so we're trying to find light and laughter in, in the little <laughs> things and I heard this question and it just made me smile um, it's just a little silly game for you guys to play and it's a bit of a head scratcher and really makes you think. Um, <laughs> and the question is, if you could be half human, half animal, what animal would you be and what half? Mm. Um, I think I would like to have the bottom half of a spider. Oh, I know it sounds really creepy, no. but actually imagine being able to spin a web really high up or like just in your bedroom. You could just spin a web at the top of your room and just sleep. That's giving me tingles in all the wrong places. So if any of you want to send your answers in to that question, <laughs> if you could be half human, half animal, what animal would you be and what half, then send it in to at the Viz Show on all social media mm -hmm. or to the Viz Show at gmail.com and Viz is spelt V-I-S. Also do email or message us on social media. Any questions or queries, any feedback or any anything you'd like to hear more of we're so open to topic suggestions for later shows and if you'd like to be on and have a chat with us or maybe even do a blurt do let us know um if you didn't hear earlier our email address is the viz show viz spelt v-i-s at gmail.com and our social media handle is at the viz show on facebook instagram and twitter now just a quick heads up next week we're going to be stepping foot into the beautiful outdoors and basking in the wonders of mother nature with an episode dedicated to women in the outdoors we're going to be speaking to an outdoor 
educator and generally inspirational woman about what it's like to be a pioneer in her field and all the workshops and and stuff that she offers for women um and it's just going to be wonderfully wild so be sure not to miss it tune in next friday at 3 p.m here on source to catch that one Mm, it's going to be a great one so that i think brings us to the end of the show end of the first um episode on women in our women's series thank you so much for joining us this week we've been viz vis-a-vis star and izzy and we'll see you next week Thank you.